Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me today, Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Timothy. Hello. <laughs> we're Book Club for Games. And today we are... Today we're going to talk about... Tetris Effect. So, Tetris Effect, originally released in 2018 on the PS4 for PC in 2019, and then the connected free expansion DLC thing with multiplayer, released in 2020 on all the existing platforms plus Xbox, and finally 2021 on the Switch. And it's Tetris! Everyone knows Tetris, but with cool music and rhythm gamey fusionness. It's like it's like a whole audiovisual experience. I was gonna say all your senses, but it doesn't slap you in the face or smell funny. So just for your eyes and your ears. You get some vibrations too. Oh oh yeah, that's true. That's true. It does slap you in the face. I was wrong. <laughs> Yeah, good. You know, that's an interesting thing to note, because originally I was playing it on the keyboard on PC, but then I switched to using an Xbox controller so I would get the vibration. Wow, good observation, Ting. You don't really notice it, do you? I think, I think, you do. I think it's part of the experience. I think it actually elevates the experience. I really do think it's part of it. It's so in- well integrated, you don't really notice it. That, that's the thing. That's the thing. So, one of the big names on Tetris Effect is Tetsuya Mizuguchi, and he's, he was one of the producers and was also involved in a number of other like musical rhythm, full experience games like Rares and Luminous and Child of Eden, for example. So, he has a lot of pedigree in this space. And... I also watched an interesting GDC talk called Making Tetris Effective, where Tetsuya Mizuguchi and two of the other major figures involved talked about how Tetris Effect came to be. And it's an hour long, but there are some interesting nuggets in there. Like, they spent two years in pre-production. You know, like, they had the idea. They actually spoke... Actually, I think... Hank Rogers, like one of the owners of the Tetris company, you know, the the company that just sits on the Tetris trademark, actually suggested it to them that they should make a musical rhythmy Tetris game. And then they spent two years just like thinking about 
how that would work before they actually started making the game. You know, like literally their company, they just had like a small number of people just tinkering and trying out ideas for two years. Crazy. It's a hard problem. Yeah, that, I guess that's the thing. Yeah, because now it's now it exists. It seems obvious how to do it. But they talk about a number of the, the challenges they had when they were trying to do it when it didn't exist obviously they're just trying to invent it out of a blank slate the original name for the game was zen tetris which is also quite interesting and then they pivoted just at the very end to tetris effect and yeah they they really struggled for months apparently when they had the first playable build getting the balance right between the spectacle of like everything going on, like all the particles and flashing and music and the distraction the spectacle causes was like a huge challenge. Like they said, like people either just focused, focused, focused on the grid and they didn't see any of the space whales or windmills or anything, or like a manta ray would like fly over the grid for a moment and then people would be like, get the f- King Manta Ray out of here. It's such a, it's getting in my way. I can't play the game. You know, like the balance was apparently very hard to get. And their eventual solution was imagining the game as like a leisurely drive with like rest stops every now and then, which is like the gaps between the zones or putting the interesting things just in your peripheral vision in the same way that when you're driving, you know, you're looking at the road, which is the grid. And then like off to the side, there may be other stuff happening and you're kind of aware of it, but you don't have to look at it or or making sure that when the really interesting stuff happens, it's when nothing major is happening on the grid. So you can afford just to look away for a moment like that. That was a part of it too. So interesting talk, but quite long. So it's interesting that you mentioned during the design pre-production phase they did think about having that balance between distract (laughs) that they were did they use the word distraction and challenge yeah yeah i well i'm trying to remember the exact wording they used but they were very acutely aware of it because people would either completely ignore all the stuff going on in the background or they would be annoyed by the stuff going on in the background you know, either it would be completely irrelevant to them and they'd be just looking at the grid. And so basically it's just Tetris, you know, they could turn off the sound, they could turn off the music, they could actually just like black out the screen other than the grid and it would be, you know, it would be irrelevant, right? Or there was so much flashy stuff going on that it was a distraction from actually playing Tetris and then people get pissed off as well. So prior to playing Tetris Effect, how I imagine it to be was I would achieve this perfect flow state where I was playing Tetris at a a level, a high level relative to myself. And then the music and the visuals would elevate it. And Zen Tetris seemed like a perfect name for me. I would call it Flow Tetris, really, but Tetris Flow. Yeah, I I guess that's what they were originally going for. That was the original conception of the idea, I suppose. And it's interesting that you put it like that. So it's not that it's elevating your enjoyment of Tetris. You're imagining that the music is going to like put you into this state where you become better at Tetris. Yes. Like a god. Tetris god. Like a Tetris god. At least, at least the feeling of that, right? I th- I think it does do that to a certain extent. But but <laughs> there's this whole ebb and flow to it too. But yeah, so this is all in the centerpiece mode, which is 
called Journey. And it's it's a trip through these different zones. And each zone has a number of stages in, and each stage has different music and theming. And yeah, this is an interesting thing, actually, because it's not just an escalation. You know, it gets faster, it gets more difficult, but then it also pulls back and gets easier, too. Which maybe pulls you out of a flow state, perhaps. It does. But when you mention the analogy of it being like driving a car, it really makes, it fits much better, fits that much better. Well, that's literally how they designed the game in the end. That's literally what they used as like their guiding star for how to like structure the zones. Leads to, leads to another interesting question. When you're driving, do you are you doing that in some sort of flow state? I think you probably are, right? Once you become, like when, when you're like a learner driver, you know, you're, you're having to like focus on every little thing. You're having to think about it all the time. And once you're familiar with driving, you just get in the car and just just drive. But you're having to do all sorts of complicated stuff. But there's no mastery involved, is there? Well, there is mastery involved. It's just well, on operating. You, don't, you haven't sort of... died yet. Like you're going, you know, a car is like a dangerously fast moving metal cage box. And so far, as far as I know, you haven't crashed into anything. Fine. It sounds like you're advocating for like manual gears, stick shift. Actually, I've only ever driven a manual car, so which is the norm in the uk i think or at least it was back when i was in the uk i think maybe it's not the norm now it won't be with all the electric vehicles there's no gears anymore yeah so you didn't achieve a flow state at points i think the initial reality was that i was barely surviving and all the music as it ramps up intensity just added tension which is probably the opposite effect. <laughs> I, I felt like the game was just like such a tease because I felt that the music was always just like hovering on the edge of greatness. You know, it's like it's building up to something, but it like never quite gets there. Or like it, it gets to like the good bit, but it's only there for like like a minute and then you just blast on through to the next stage, you know. So you needed slightly longer levels. I, I've never actually tried playing the mode where you you just pick one stage, like one theme, and you just play on that one theme. Like maybe, maybe that's a very different feeling. I only really played journey mode with the themed stages, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think it was interesting where you know the choice of you know the choice of music and the difficulty they pair with it because some of the stages are like some of it is genuinely difficult you know and like when you when you finish a stage and like warp into the next one you don't quite know what you're gonna get like sometimes the new stage starts and you're back at speed six and it's like oh yeah fine and other times like the new stage starts and you're at speed 15 you're like omg <laughs> like i was just at speed 15 like i thought i was gonna get a break so it can be quite tough uh, it's worth noting as well then so this is a game that you did play with the music on like you didn't just you didn't just listen to a podcast this time no i 100 percent listened to the music i mean i've actually been listening to the soundtrack while not playing the game as well 
I, I think I tried just listening to the soundtrack before I'd played much of the game, actually. Like I was I went on a hike and I just had my headphones in and I was I was listening to the Tetris Effect soundtrack, but it, it didn't really do much for me. And then I played journey mode all the way through and listened to the soundtrack again. And it had a, it had a very different effect on me after I'd had the experience of actually playing the game. Like, it's interesting the things that like stuck in my head after, you know, having played the game and then the music like evokes those feelings again. And I, I also think the music is actually quite good programming music. What they should have done, what I'd like to see is every time I hit the key, I get a beat so that I'm coding at a pace. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing as well, though, because some of the songs in the soundtrack are much, much better in-game than they are just as a piece of music. Like, some of those songs, the whole synesthesia feedback thing they've got going is a major part to the song being really good. And then that's why I think when you listen to it, like having not played the game, it can just be kind of flat. And then when you're listening to it after having played the game, it's like the memory of playing the game that's like filling in those emotions for you. That's really well put. Because yeah, the game really does have a lot of feedback that's closely synced to the music. Like They have this thing called the Synesthesia Engine, which I think they originally developed for Res, or at least Res Infinite. And it is some, I mean, you know, you can call anything an engine, really. It's some proprietary code that, you know, their company owns that tries to tie together sounds and particle effects and they said animation and morphing and stuff as well to to the music and to the player actions and stuff. So I think like when you move a piece, it tries to identify like the closest beat to when you did that move and like play a note or a chord or a sound effect on that beat. And similarly, like when you clear a line or something, you know, it's it's doing all this feedback, both musically and then visually too. There's, there's particle effects and flashes and stuff as well. And it, and it does all feedback into this whole complete experience. I guess one other mechanic to quickly cover is zone. So this is the one new thing they added to, you know, core Tetris. And I don't know, I feel like Tetris has been like static for a long long time now you know like there's like old there's like classic tetris on like the nes or the game boy or like the old old arcades and then there's like modern tetris so there's like a distinct split there but between those two things like tetris hasn't really changed like modern tetris has their seven bag randomizer and the hold piece and like sliding of blocks and super rotation and stuff but you know there hasn't been any real innovation in tetris because i think tetris is just so good already like it's it you can't really take anything away and anything you add kind of makes it worse but they added this zone mechanic and i'm not sure how to feel about it like i don't think it's bad but i think if it wasn't there i would also not mind at all yeah it's not like a beat em up you don't need an um, we don't need a zone meter it's like a super meter yeah so zone when you activate it Pieces only drop when you tell them to drop. So you just you you have as much time as you want to place your pieces. And when you clear a line, instead of the line just disappearing, it just slides down to the bottom of the grid. 
So you can clear more than four lines at once. Like usually the most lines you can clear in Tetris is a Tetris, which is four lines when you place like the eyepiece. But now lines only disappear once zone ends. So you can clear up to, I think like theoretically the whole grid could be cleared, which I think is 20 lines. And I think that's an ultimatrix or 18 lines is a perfectress. They, they came up with a whole new set of names for them. And then in journey mode, the lines you clear in zone don't count towards the lines for for finishing the stage. So you can get a higher score by using zone to clear more lines, basically. And you can stay on that one stage for longer to up your stage score. But that's not what you used zone for, right? No, like I mostly used, I was mostly holding on to zone, particularly on expert, to get me out of a jam. Because when things go wrong, they can go really wrong really fast. And especially when it's dropping at like speed 15 plus. And then I would just be holding the zone in my back pocket and pull it out and use it to try and clean up the stack. Although like on my second run through, I did try and use it more for score. But yeah, like, you know, I, I think if you exclusively use it to, to get high score, you've got to be pretty good. Like, you've got to be really confident in your Tetris abilities. Anyway, I, I guess that's the main addition. It's interesting. It's th- it's thematically appropriate, I think. It's the whole like in the zone thing. And I guess they felt like they had to add a new mechanic to make it interesting. But yeah, I also feel like it was kind of unnecessary. It, it was necessary from a marketing standpoint, but not from a game enjoyment standpoint. From a marketing standpoint, marketing standpoint just so they can put a bullet point in there. Yeah, just just so they can say they've evolved the Tetris formula, I guess. Fine. Should we talk about the journey itself? Yeah. So we both finished this on normal. Mm-hmm. And you finished it on expert. I finished it on expert playing the individual zones. And then I tried to do a, a run through where I played through the whole thing on expert back to back to back. Because after you finished all the zones... When you play the next time and you finish a zone, it gives you the option just to carry on to the next zone and keep your score and keep, you know, your grid. And I got all the way to the penultimate zone because, like, the last zone is just one level. And then you called me to talk about the show notes. (laughs) And it, it like, totally took me out of the zone. And then as soon as I unpaused the game afterwards, I just, like, died instantly. (laughs) I was like, damn it, ting. If you'd called when you said you were going to call, I would have been fine. Oh, really? <laughs> but no matter. So anyway, I finished it on Expert, and I almost finished it in a straight shot all the way through, but not quite. It's interesting that we've not talked about the experience at all. So we've not picked out like certain levels or certain pieces of music. So for instance, one level that I really recall is the windmills. Mm-hmm. The dolphins and downtown. This is really interesting that you call out those because those are the you know the windmills and the dolphins specifically. They call out in the GDC talk as people always say those are the memorable levels because the reason they they analogized the whole game around a leisurely drive and tried to design the levels with that in mind was because from player feedback early on 
the windmill level and the dolphin level were the ones people cited as the most enjoyable and the most memorable because it's like a drive like you're moving you know you're flying into the screen you know and that's when they realize like it's like driving we should think of the game like that i mean they definitely are memorable levels though they're not my favorites what are your favorites ones that stick in mind for me i like i like the desert one like the one that you start out in a in like the Sahara and there's camels and stuff. And then as the level progresses, you end up on the moon, which is like another kind of desert. Like that visually really stuck in my mind. And then I like, I like the first level, obviously that's like a very evocative, evocative one. Uh, There's actually, I remember more the levels that just caused me trouble. Actually (laughs) like two levels. I remember in a very negative way, (laughs) there's, there's one where you're on a space station Yes. And it's like un- it's like unreadable. Like it starts out at a really high speed is my recollection of it. So it's it's hard to play and all the blocks look the same. Like visually they look the same. So it's very hard to at a glance see the next block and know I'm going to place this here because like distinguishing an S from a Z or an L from a J I found it I found it very hard and that level gave me a lot of trouble. And then there's another one which has the same problem. The blocks are very similar. It starts at a high speed. It's, it's got this like weird, breathy noise when you move the blocks. It's kind of some weird Northern Lights one. I didn't, I didn't like that level either. <laughs> so you didn't finish Expert. No, I did not finish Expert. There'll be moments where it's ramped up to. I remember one. The, the, the level I got stuck on was it, it ramped up to level twelve. I completed that portion of the stage. I thought, oh, good. I've got a breather now. And it just ramps up again to 15. And nope. Just nope. Yeah. We're going to talk about how to play later. But to play at, essentially, I think they call it infinite gravity, which is these very high speeds. Yeah, you have to be building the stack in a particular way. So... That's a whole other conversation. W- one last thing then, off to the side, effect mode. This is something that was in the original release version of the game as well. So as well as Journey, there was a mode called Effect, where there's kind of different ways to play the game. You can like play, you know, you, you can play with just a single levels theme, or you can, you know, race to clear 30 lines, race to clear 150 lines. And then interesting ones like target clear, where it gives you specific blocks that you've got to clear. And then once you clear those blocks, it clears the field and gives you new blocks you've got to clear. Or combo, where you've got to get as many combos as possible. Or all clear, where you've got to get as many all clears as possible. You know, there's these different modes to play. Did you play any of those? Uh, yeah, I played all of them, at least once. I like them, because some of them, there's no level on them. So... You just drop, you just drop them, right? That's what, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I actually also really liked the effect modes. I, I really liked target clear. Target clear, actually, I played quite a lot of, and, and I really liked the music for that as well. Did you play through the journey mode in VR? No. <laughs> as simple as that. I, I've actually lent my oculus to a friend so i don't even have it at the moment they, they really wanted to play some vr stuff so i was like yeah you can borrow my oculus 
I, I remember when Tetris Effect came out, much was made of the VR mode, and people were also saying because you know the VR headset on PlayStation, the PSVR, has a higher refresh rate because it's like ninety hertz versus you know a TV sixty hertz. You can actually play Tetris faster, you know, because like you're getting more visual feedback, you can react more quickly. So I thought that was an interesting thing as well. But obviously, you know, high refresh rate screens are a thing now as well, particularly on PC. So I don't think that was an issue. It, it was less immersive probably than playing it in VR, but I also get, I get terrible VR sickness. So yeah, maybe VR is just not for me. talk about the multiplayer so this was the big thing in tetris effect connected like i'm kind of amazed they gave this away for free like they, they could totally have charged for this would we have paid I mean, for I, it you know i i can see well i can see why they wouldn't charge for it because you know you're going to have a way smaller player base if you try and charge for it but i'm i'm also kind of surprised that their corporate overlords didn't demand that they charge for it because it's quite a big addition to the game just to give away for free. But but it also definitely elevates the game a lot. Like, like many games, multiplayer adds a huge amount of longevity. Although on the flip side for Tetris in particular, there are a lot of places you can play Tetris multiplayer for free. So you don't necessarily buy this game to play Tetris multiplayer. Particularly if you're like a serious Tetris person which i'm not but you know i imagine you wouldn't necessarily buy this the and the other thing is obviously in the standard multiplayer mode in this the zone mechanic exists too so i don't know if that significantly changes the multiplayer equation like i, I don't know if like serious hardcore tetris people are like oh i wouldn't play tetris effect multiplayer because it's got the zone that messes up the whole strategy you know that unbalances the game i don't, I don't know if they feel like that but i can imagine it would be a thing there's also Classic Versus, but I didn't actually play that. So you, you can play it with Tetris Classic rules, which is like the NES Tetris. So without Zone? With, without Zone, and I think without Hold Piece, and also without being able to like slide pieces and stuff. Like I think it's like, it's like Classic Tetris. It's like the Tetris in the Tetris Classic World Cup, which they play on NES. Like That one I actually can imagine being popular, because... It probably is hard to play Tetris Classic remotely, given that it's usually played, you know, in person on an NES. But then again, like, what do I know? I'm I'm not a hardcore Tetris multiplayer person, so I I'm not in the community. I don't really know. We we did both try this though, right? Um, I did not do verses. Oh, okay. 
I only played one versus game as well, to be honest. Because it's stressful. Tetris versus is stressful because, I don't know, I feel like the people who are playing Tetris versus are all sharks, you know, like they're all <laughs> monsters. You know, like Tetris is definitely an easy to learn the rules, but hard to master kind of game, right? Like the skill gap between someone who knows how to play Tetris and someone who knows how to play Tetris is huge. So I, I played one versus multiplayer game and it was literally a fight for my life. Like I was, I was playing as hard as I could and I lost. I managed to win one round, but then, you know, they, they won the first round, I won the second round, and they just, like, crushed me in the third round. The round I won, I actually won by just, like, smashing them with some crazy zone combo that I think just landed at an inopportune time, which is why I wonder if, like, hardcore Tetris people don't like zone. And then, yeah, even zone couldn't save me in the third round. <laughs> But we both tried playing co-op, although not together, but we both played a game of co-op, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. What did you think of co-op? I don't really understand the mechanics of co-op. All I know is I'm building my own, I'm working on my own grid, and at some point the grids combine. And then, it's so funny, in the first, first time I played this, I was trying to figure out, what's the etiquette here? Can I start putting pieces down on the other guy's side now? Or does he expect me to stay in my own little space? Yeah, and I, I don't know what the etiquette is either, but I, I liked it. I liked it. I, I think it was really thematic. Like, it really matched the whole feel of the game of, like, connected, like, text effect connected. I really wanted to... I wanted a react... Maybe there is a react button... I can react to things as part of the co-op oh, mode. E-mode. Yeah, I just wanted yeah, to spam some emotes. I, I don't know if there's emotes, yeah. Can you like be like, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs yeah. up, or like rage, rage, rage? I don't know, yeah. I don't <laughs> rage, know. Rage, rage. Yeah. That would have been yeah, a neat the, touch. The, the co-op mode, there's like several stages, but like the first stage, which is the one obviously everyone starts on, I, I did feel was really was was really powerful and fun like because it's playing some variant of the well the co-op stages i think you're fighting against bosses and the bosses are all embodied by like signs of the zodiac and and the bosses have attacks that are kind of also you know thematically tied to them so like when you fight gemini the twins it has like a power where it will just say twins and then for a little while blocks will fall down that are like twins you get two blocks at the same time or sometimes i remember one where it was like big block and suddenly all the blocks were like double or triple sized you know like huge blocks and then i don't know i'm trying to remember some of the others they were they were crazy like i i remember on the stage that we eventually got to there was a bit where the whole field became invisible and you just had to remember where the blocks were like that was really hard i'm glad i didn't, I didn't come across that one yeah, that, that was on like stage three or four or something. I don't know. But stage one, the first one, yeah, the music it's playing is some variant of like the first stage in journey mode, which is called Connected. And mechanically, the way the game works, I think, is 
every time you clear a line, it's basically building the zone meter and you're all cooperatively building the zone meter together. And then when the zone meter fills, you get to attack the boss and all of your play fields join together. And then you need to make lines across all three fields with like the zone mechanic. And then all of those lines, all of those cleared lines together attack the boss and you're trying to top out the boss's, you know, play field. But yeah, it was like, again, the whole synesthesia experience because like the zone triggers and then it, it plays the songs like we're all connected and all the all the play fields join together and like sparkly lights and everything like changes color and it's just like oh it's so beautiful yes we're connected and then it was just like no you idiot why are you putting that block there or like could you play any slower <laughs> rage 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 <laughs> I-, I enjoyed it I was I was expecting to play one game and back out, but when you finish a stage, it says, do you want to keep playing the next stage with the same party? And the other two people said yes, and I was like, I guess we're carrying on. And we like, <laughs> played like an hour together. Yeah, so I did enjoy the multiplayer, but I haven't played that much of it because co-op, I think, is quite gimmicky and versus is stressful. Okay. we move on to the most important bit okay mastery this is just about how to play tetris well, how you like got almost better at tetris unconnected to tetris effect yeah Although, tetris you've got to work tetris if you know what i mean yeah this is yeah this is going to be like how to play modern tetris because you make a very a clear distinction between someone who knows how to play tetris and someone who knows how to play tetris yeah t- tetris is I mean, you've got to think how old Tetris is. It's it's an actual incredible piece of game design. Like, was it was it crafted deliberately, or did it just happen by accident and then be refined a bit? But these blocks made of four squares and the possible combinations of them and how they all fit together. You know, it, it's very easy to explain the rules you need to make a complete line and then that line will disappear. And it's very easy to grasp like, oh, the most lines I can delete at once, you know, a Tetris is four lines because that's the longest piece. And that's one level to play the game at, but there's a lot more depth to the game than that. And then when you get into verses, there's a whole other layer there as well. Because then you're talking about garbage and countering. You you could watch like hours of tutorials basically on just how to do it. Or even how to move the pieces. 
like I think there's this whole thing about like finesse, which is moving pieces with the maximum economy. You know, because like I think one thing you asked me was, do I use both rotate buttons? And I was like, yeah, of course I use both rotate buttons. I mean, I to be fair, I didn't used to, but as I've been trying to get better at Tetris, for sure I use both rotate buttons. Because, you know, like, this is one of the finesse things. I think, like, nearly always, or maybe practically all, yeah, practically always, I think, you can position a block with only two button presses. So why rotate a block three times clockwise when you can rotate it once anti-clockwise? Or why move a block to the edge and then back once and then rotate it when you could move it to the edge and rotate it such that it kicks itself out into the correct position? Because when you rotate a block, this is the thing called the super rotation system, the blocks will actually shift within that little 4x4 block. And you can use that to move blocks into positions where you couldn't normally get them. So the most obvious example of this is a T-spin, where there's like a T-shaped gap, but you can't actually like, you know, there's a block preventing you from getting the T-piece into that gap. You can't slide it in, but you can move it up to the gap and then rotate it so that it like, you know, quantum tunnels in, basically. And then you get a bonus for doing that as well. It's interesting because I thought, when when you say it's a four by four grid it rotates within, it explains why it's not pivoting on the middle of that T piece. Because you shouldn't be able to slide it in, right, if you think about it. Yeah. But they, they deliberately do that because it actually opens up a lot of other movement options. And then even more interestingly, if you think about a piece like the i-tetromino, so the long block, that piece actually has different parity. So there's two orientations that look identical, but depending on whether you got there by rotating clockwise or anti-clockwise, the next rotation will be different. Yeah, because it pivots like on a different square. I mean, I don't, I don't know these things like instinctively like i know it academically but i don't really make use of it while playing most of the time and i also rotate i i do just like spam rotate a whole bunch of times too but like i'm aware that these things exist and that there's a whole like other level of play that i'm not at and i think you know i'm i think i'm as good as i will be from just playing tetris i think to get better i would have to actually train at these specific skills and drill at it to like to learn the rotation system or you know to learn finesse you know that that's the major thing holding me up from being able to play faster and i think playing faster is like the major thing that's it is like the first major skill i'm lacking to play competitively at you know versus tetris this, this is what i mean like there's a whole huge skill gap between like a regular tetris player and someone who actually really knows how to play tetris and that's just the movement, because there's a whole other thing about how to stack the board as well, which be, which is a major factor once you get to the higher speeds. Because you were talking about how I think it got to speed fifteen, and you just couldn't you just couldn't do it, right? Nope, I couldn't do it. Yeah, because above a certain speed, I think they call it infinite gravity. So you know, usually the block is like dropping, and it's like dropping one line every you know few frames, or maybe even like every frame, right? But, like, there's obviously a limited frame rate to the game. 
So at some point they can't drop it any faster. And so they have what they call infinite gravity, where the instant the block appears in the field, it's as if you hyperdropped it. You know, it's it, it falls instantly. But that means if your grid is really spiky, you won't be able to move that block. You know, like imagine if you've got like an S piece and there's like a one block sticking up. And then infinite gravity, it falls such that that block sticking up catches on the S. Now you can't move that block to the right anymore. You know, you had no opportunity to move it before it dropped at infinite speed. And then maybe you can rotate it and slide like, you know, it. use the rotation system to like flip it over. But, but sometimes you just can't, if you, depending on the shape of your grid, like maybe you can flip it over that block, but then it will fall into a well and you can't move it any further. Right. So at higher levels, it becomes very important to like, keep your stack really flat such that you can slide blocks along the top and blocks also only lock in place when they've been stationary for a certain amount of time so if you keep sliding a block or you keep rotating a block you can keep it like alive for longer even though it fell at infinite speed and you can use that to like give you some time to position blocks does that counter reset every time you rotate or is that counting down do you, do you know what i mean i i think there's like Again, I don't know literally like academically the mechanics, but my instinctive feel for it is that there's two counters. Like I think there's a counter that resets when you move it and there's another longer counter where it doesn't matter how many times you reset the short counter, if you wait a certain amount of time, it will just lock eventually just to prevent you from like spinning a block infinitely. Is that what differentiates level 15 from level 20? I'm just wondering because you said they both have infinite gravity. Yeah, I think it is. I think level 15 and level 20, the difference is the amount of time like the long counter will be before it like forces you to lock, I think. Okay. And yeah, I mean, again, for me, I'm not especially fast with the movement. And I guess I'm not also, I'm not, you know, I'm also not especially fast when it comes to deciding where to place a block. Like that's the major mental bottleneck for me. Because when you're playing at super high speed, you kind of need to already have planned where you're going to put that block before the block appears. And yeah, deciding where's the optimal place to put the block is a major thing. You know, number one is like, I need to put it such that I don't leave any gaps, but I also want to try and keep the stack as flat as possible. Because if it's really spiky, things will catch on it when I'm trying to slide them. And that will also like ruin my ability to place blocks where I want. And then, yeah, the problem I have with the readability is if I see a block and I know it's an L or a J, but I have to mentally try and figure out which one it is, that's much harder than if I know the L piece and the J piece are different colors, for example, and then I just know where they go. Plus, this is just like a brain fart, I guess, but you know when I use the hold piece, I find when I use the hold piece, sometimes I'm expecting the piece I've held to be the next piece instead of the actual next piece being the next piece. And so sometimes when I hold a piece, it just like completely screws up my rhythm because then the block that comes down is not the one I'm expecting. And if I don't twig fast enough, I'm like, oh, and I click the hold button again, then I put the block that actually came down where I intended to put the held piece and then the whole thing just like falls apart. So what are you doing? You're switching for the hold piece twice, accidentally. Well, when I'm being, when I'm being dumb, yeah. Because like... You know, a piece comes down and it's not a piece I have a good place to put. So I switch out the hold piece and I put it in place. And then for some reason, 
instead of looking at the next piece and deciding where to put that as I'm placing the first piece, I look at the held piece. And so I am then decide where to put that held piece. But then the next piece comes down and it's not the held piece. And then I have to either like reset my mental state, click the hold button again so I get the piece I was expecting, and then look at the next piece properly to then carry on like the flow. Or it just goes wrong and my stack gets ruined. And then it's just like fighting for my life for a bit to get back into equilibrium. Or use zone. <laughs> I think these things can happen easily when you're working that fast. Yeah. And Are you just stacking for single lines or are you stacking to try and get Tetrises or something? Because this is the other thing that I find interesting. Like, I don't know what the best way to play is. Like, I think for a good score, you're probably supposed to be stacking for Tetrises. Okay. But... I'm also kind of slightly tainted by the fact that I played a lot of Tetris 99. And I think stacking for Tetris is there is actually not the best way to play because that's like, that's multiplayer versus Tetris, essentially. Um, so I'm not good at Tetris. So I don't know what the right strategy is, but I, I stack for double line clears. That's my strategy. And if it evolves into a Tetris clear, that's fine. But I don't clear single lines. Okay. Interesting. I've just assumed there's a multiplier there. Yeah, I think I usually stack for Tetrises in the single player modes. But when it gets to really high speed and then I'm fighting for my life, then I will literally just like clear single lines. Like I'll just do anything I can just to clean up the stack. I want to know what counts or what you consider a high speed. I think 12 plus is when it starts to become difficult. Because, you know, I remember playing Tetris on the Game Boy, right? Like back in the day. And I remember thinking, like, level 9 was really hard. But I don't know if level 9 in this is just, like, not as fast as level 9 on the Game Boy. Or I've just got way better at Tetris. Because, like, level 9 is not a big deal at all in this. Also, I guess Tetris on the Game Boy is classic Tetris, which is much less forgiving than modern Tetris. Like, I think in classic Tetris, you can't slide pieces. Like, as soon as they touch the stack, it's locked. So that's probably a major, major factor, too. But... Yeah, up to speed 9, I think, is, like, no big deal. And then speed 12 plus, I think, is kind of difficult. Speed 15 is definitely very hard. Okay. And I think 12 is the transition point for me. So when I started, it was 9 was hard for me. And so, you know, 9 upwards, I would just do try to clear the screen. And then over time, it was level 11. At level 11, I would, need, I would just need to clear the screen. Yeah, I mean, the transition point for me, I guess, is when I stop hard dropping things. Yes. Because, like, it's interesting because it's a matter of, like, rhythm or pace, I guess, more than anything else in a way. Because I'm probably playing faster. At, like, at level nine and below, I'm hard dropping things. And I'm probably actually playing faster than I am at level 12 plus. Because, I, because I'm hard dropping stuff faster than it's giving me pieces at, like, level 12 plus. But... The difference is that I know that if I have a brain fart at level nine and below, or I misplace a piece, I can just stop and think about it for a second or two and then pick it up. Whereas I would not dare to do that, you know, when it's infinite gravity. And thus, I want to give myself as much time as possible to decide where to place the next piece. And so I, I don't hard drop anything, I guess. Something else that you mentioned is the J block and the L block. That's something I can't differentiate quickly. 
enough. I, I mean, I totally understand. Oh, really? But I, I think that's that's like, I think if you play with, like the you know the skins that you get in like the effect modes, they're coloured differently. You know, for the J and the L, one's blue, one's orange. For the S and the Z, one's green, one's red. I might have got those the wrong way around, but like they're different colours, so you can at least recognise which one it is at a glance. Whereas. Yeah, on like a freaking windmill stage or like the space station one or the weird breathy Aurora one, you know, it's like they look, they all look the same. Uh, Yeah. And so you have to look at the block and realize, oh, it's a J or an L and then start mentally rotating it. It's like, okay, that one's an L. Uh, Yeah, good. But, But these are all the things where I think really high level Tetris players obviously can just do it. They've got specialized hardware in their brains just to do it. I thought you would, you would have developed this specialized hardware, hardware by now. Nah, I, I I haven't played Tetris that much recently. I had that brief mania about Tetris 99, but then I stopped for for quite a long time. And then this this has got me back into it. I actually I actually played some Tetris 99 after playing this to see if I'd got better, and I have got better, but the average skill level of Tetris 99 has got better too. So. Will you be playing some more? I, I, <laughs> you know what? I, I was watching, <laughs> I was watching a video this morning about how to, how to efficiently do combos and how to do a four wide. So maybe <laughs> like I, I, it made me realize I've been playing versus Tetris all wrong. You know, because like I was playing versus Tetris the same way I was playing single player Tetris, where I was basically like stacking for Tetrises or occasionally opportunistically doing a T-spin. And I think I learned some openers, like I learned like DT Cannon and stuff, but I don't think that's very good for Tetris 99 because you're not fighting against one person, you're fighting against 98 other people. So goodness knows where your garbage is going to go, right? Like in that initial spike. So... Yeah, I think I think the play is going to be learning to play four wide, four wide combo, which apparently is like really cheesy and people hate it, but I think it's really effective. So maybe I'll learn to do that and then either Tetris 99 Jeez or some virtuous Tetris effect. Yeah, it's, it's like using the meta. Four wide combo, four wide combo build is the meta, right? That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was uh, apparently four-wide combo with a center well is very hard to deal with because you can't get easily topped out i I, this guide was quite interesting yeah it made me realize like again wow there's so much depth to tetris come follow me i'll show you the side of the world the places that you'll never see come follow me
Should we summarize? So I thought the initial highs of the journey mode were quite high, but the the difficulty of the game doesn't ramp up relative to your skill level or your abilities. So it, like you said, I'm hard dropping more as the journey progresses. Obviously, that's not the case with expert. Oh, okay, yeah. That's what I say. I, I was going to say it ebbs and flows, but like the average speed is definitely only trending upwards. You know, like the penultimate zone in expert, I genuinely found difficult because most of the time it's at speed 12 and above, I feel. I was just thinking, would it be better if it scaled the difficulty to your ability, the highs and lows? Just just play practice mode if you want that. I don't know. I feel like ad- adaptive difficulty is like insulting to everyone. I feel like. <laughs> insulting. To... But necessary yeah, for doing I'm, I'm like, like Tetris, I'm like, you know, Tetris in a flow for toddlers state. <laughs> in a flow state. There is there is like a flow state. There is like a, a relaxed marathon mode where you can't die if you want to play like that for a flow state. For a flow state. I guess, I mean, that has a place too. I just feel like adaptive difficulty is patronizing. I'm like, you know, Good. you know, they're like, you're like, oh, you failed a lot. Let's make it easier for you. It's like, no, I want to get better. And I'm not going to get better if you just keep making it easier. But I want it also to be harder at the right times as well. Yeah. But, but that's also a problem, right? Because like, you don't want it to become excessively hard. Like you want it to be... You want to feel like you're beating a challenge, but you don't want to feel like the game is being unfair to you because you were too good. But at the same time, you don't want to feel like the game is pandering to you because you're not good enough. You know, that's what, I don't know, I just personally find adaptive difficulty kind of annoying. Yeah, you need to be pushed to the limits of your ability, but then if you psychologically know the game is going to push you to that zone but not push you over the edge, then it does lose the then that tension's gone. I I can imagine it's going to be something funny, like I say I hate adaptive difficulty games, but like a game I really like turns out to have adaptive difficulty and I just didn't know it. Like it might actually be that adaptive difficulty is really good so long as you don't know it's happening. I mean, I guess this is literally like Warzone and BRs are doing this now with skill-based matchmaking, you know. So I'm sure it does have a place, but it's best when you don't know that it's, being done to you it's best when you don't know the game is patronizing you you know <laughs> I, I enjoyed it i played i played it through on normal at first and then i was like maybe i can do expert and i played it through an expert and i enjoyed expert i enjoyed i enjoyed the challenge and i i didn't get it all done in one go like i had to replay that penultimate zone several times but i also didn't cheese it i didn't just continue from the last stage i i played the whole zone from the start until i did it you know because i'm just a masochist <laughs> yes D- did you experience the tetris effect what what is the tetris effect the tetris effect is when you start to dream about tetris like in oh. your dreams you see blocks and then being placed and rotating and stuff. I guess that's a sign that your brain is developing the specialized hardware to recognize an L or a J. <laughs> I did not. Yeah, me neither. We, we probably didn't play enough. I think 
I played about 10 hours based on my stats. You played six? Yeah. But according to the yeah the in-game counter, Steam thinks I played eight. There was. Did you find with multiplayer you're hanging around a lot waiting for fills? Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't think there's that many people playing co-op multiplayer. I had to wait a long time to get that, you know, party. But versus multiplayer was pretty quick. And what's your favorite music? What what were some standout tracks or stages? It's really interesting because the, the tracks and the the stages aren't always connected for me. Sometimes they're distinct. So the downtown piece I liked, but I couldn't tell you the name of that track. And I don't know the song for the windmills. But I have some track names here. I think they're from the beginning. I think it's like any good soundtrack. All the, the best pieces at the beginning of the of the album. That, at least that's the case for me. And obviously, we both like Connected. And I added here Joy, Flames, Lunar Discourse and Look Up. And over the course of this recording, <laughs> I realised I like breathy music. <laughs> I didn't I didn't I didn't know what to call it. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> but it works in that context. Like when playing Tetris Effect, breathy music is really effective or <laughs> for, on me, for me. I mean the one stage which I can't remember the name of the song on, but but the one that I associate breathiness with, because that's it makes a breathy sound when you move the block. Like I really didn't like that one. <laughs> Lunar Discourse, I think, is the stage with the sand dunes and the moon. My my picks are actually really boring. I just I just put Connected, which is obviously like the signature song. Always been but never dreamed, which is the final journey mode stage song, which is basically connected again. But you know, it's got like it's got like the connected like light motif running through it, but in in like a really triumphant like way. And then one called Walls, which is good, but it's also way... It, walls is so much better with the synesthesia stuff going on. Like, Walls is definitely one that feels like it's really just on the edge of greatness all the time. And I just want it to go over the edge, and it just never seems to get there. So, I, I don't know. I liked it, but I just, I just want more. I want a version of Walls that's just playing, like, the really pumping, like, you're doing it, in the effect mode. But, but the soundtrack version doesn't do that. It's just like this really long, drawn-out version. It's interesting. When I first played this game, I thought doing all this, putting it all together would be trivial. But now we've talked about it, it's much harder than it sounds. They, they spent two years just thinking about it. And then when they made a version of it, they spent months trying to figure out how to make people not get annoyed when a space whale floated in front of the grid. You know, like... It's, I guess it's surprising how hard it is to make something like this. And as a slight aside, we, I did talk to you about how do you make, what do you listen to when you want to be productive? I want my music to change with how productive I am to build it up. Oh, yes. We, we need, that's the startup idea. But we just we need have to... like some scanning MRI machine, functional MRI machine to figure out how productive you'll be. But don't we need just to hook it up into your your mouse movements and keyboard movements. That's it. 
I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. How do we need to, yeah, we need to come up with some proxy for productivity and then some music that as you get into the zone, oh, this, geez, someone find us some funding. It's just, it's just a keylogger. It's just a keylogger. We embed a keylogger in there, really. That, that's, the, that's the genius thing. We sell it as one thing, but we really just take their passwords and empty their bank accounts. Genius. It's just another way to see what you're Googling we sell the, for advertising. That's what we're doing. And we sell the data. Terrible. All right. But you enjoyed it. You're happy with your pick. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Well... Next time is my pick. <laughs> and I am picking The Forgotten City. Because I missed it last year, but I really want to play it. And it's also really short. It's it's like five-ish hours. That's even less time than you spent playing Tetris Effect. So That's only if you know what you're doing, surely, and you're paying attention. <laughs> you're you're going to be like, hurt derp, Roman Empire. <laughs> Would you like some garum? <laughs> <coughs> it's a time loop game set in a fictional roman city that's fallen underground i heard it's good yep so you same here we were lost levels club we still are lost levels club please rate and subscribe to us on apple podcasts please 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 you can find us on email mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club on twitter at lostlevelsclub on twitch as lostlevelsclub anywhere else on reddit r slash lostlevelsclub so michael what are you grateful for today i am grateful that i have hopefully managed to break out of my creative mental block and have been making some good progress on my programming i've made some i've made some beautiful distortion grid effect it's like this strange ethereal waves thing you, you i showed it to you do you think it's pretty it's cool it's very cool yeah it's very pretty you'll put a link to it somewhere yeah now, now i just need to make a game to go with it <laughs> Also, I made my life way harder than I than I should have done because I made this because I was trying to replicate the effect in Geometry Wars. And for some reason, I thought that used a grid of 256 by 256 points, which is about 60,000 points. I later found out that Geometry Wars uses a grid of about 40 by 40 points, which is about 1,600 points. <laughs> so... I made I made my life like thirty to forty times harder than it should have been. But on the other hand, at least I wrote some beautiful multi-threaded simulation thing. So Michael says bye. Bye bye. <laughs>